Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Look away, look away. Okay, Peyton's not going to sing with me, so I'm not going to do it by myself. All right, a series of unfortunate events, The Bad Beginning, Book 1, Chapter 4. The Baudelaire orphans copied their Putinesca, <laughs> Putinesca recipe from the cookbook onto a piece of scrap paper, and Justice Strauss was kind enough to escort them to the market and buy the necessary ingredients. Count Olaf left them vi- not very much money, but the children were able to buy everything that they needed. From a street vendor, they purchased olives after tasting several varieties and choosing their favorite. At a pasta store, they selected interestingly shaped noodles and asked the woman running the store for a proper amount for 13 people, the 10 people that Olaf mentioned, and then the three of them. Then, at the supermarket, they purchased garlic, which was which is a sharp-tasting bulbous plant, anchovies, which are a small salty fish, capers, which are flower buds of small shrub it tastes marvelous, and tomatoes, which are actually fruits, not vegetables, as most people believe. They thought that they would be... they. They thought it would be proper to serve dessert, so they bought several envelopes of pudding mix. Perhaps the orphans thought if they make a delicious meal, Count Olaf might be kinder to them, maybe a bit kinder to them. Thank you so much for helping us today, said Violet, as she and her siblings walked home with Justice Strauss. I don't know what we would have done without you. You seem like very intelligent people, Justice Strauss said. I darest say that you would have thought of something. But it continues to strike me as odd that Count Olaf asked you to prepare such an enormous meal. Well, here we are. I must go inside to put my own groceries away. I hope you children will come over soon and borrow books from my library. Tomorrow, Klaus said quickly. Could we come over tomorrow? Well, I don't see why not, Justice Strauss said. I can't tell you how much we appreciate this, said Violet carefully. With their kind, with their kind parents dead and Count Olaf threatening them, abominably the three children were not used to kindness from adults and weren't sure if they were expected to do anything back tomorrow before we use the library again klaus and i will be more than happy to do some household chores for you sunny isn't really old enough to work but i'm sure we could find some way we could help you justice strauss smiled back at the three children but her eyes were very sad she reached out a hand and put it on violet's hair and violet felt more comforted than she had in some time That won't be necessary, said Justice Strauss. You are always welcome in my house. Then she turned and went inside her home. But after a moment of staring at her, the Baudelaire orphans went into theirs. For a moment of the afternoon, Violet, Klaus, and Sunny cooked the Putinesca sauce according to the recipe. Violet roasted the garlic and washed and chopped the anchovies. Klaus peeled the tomatoes and pitted the olives. Sunny banged on a pot with a wooden spoon, singing a rather repetitive song that she had written herself and all three of the children felt less miserable than they had since the arrival at Count Olaf's. The smell of cooking food is often a calming one, and the kitchen grew cozy as the sauce simmered in the culinary term, which means cooked over low heat. The three orphans spoke of of pleasant memories of their their parents and about Justice Strouts, who they agreed was a wonderful neighbor, and in whose library they planned to spend a great deal of time.
As they walked, they mixed and tasted the chocolate pudding. Just as they were placing the pudding on the, in the refrigerator to cool, Violet, Klaus, and Sunny heard a loud booming noise as the front door flung open. I'm sure I don't have to tell you who was home. Orphans? Count Olaf called out in a scratchy voice. Where are you, orphans? In the kitchen, Count Olaf, Klaus called. We're just finishing dinner. You'd better be, Count Olaf said as he strode into the kitchen. He gazed at all three Baudelaire children with shiny, shiny eyes. My troop is right behind me, and they are very hungry. Where's the roast beef? Well, we didn't make roast beef, Violet said. We made Putinesca sauce. What, Count Olaf said? No roast beef? You didn't tell us you wanted roast beef, said Klaus. Count Olaf slipped towards the children so that he looked even taller than he was. His eyes grew bigger and his eyebrow raised in anger. In agreeing to adopt you, I, he said, I have become your father, and as your father, I am not someone to be trifled with. I demand that you serve us roast beef to myself and my guests. We don't have any, Violet cried. We made Putinesca sauce. No, 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 shouted Sunny. Count Olaf looked down at Sunny, who had spoken so suddenly. With an inhuman roar, he picked up picked her up in one scraggly hand and raised her so that she was staring at him in the eye. Needless to say, Sunny was very frightened and began to crying, crying immediately, too scared to even bite the hand that held her. Put her down immediately, you beast, Klaus shouted. He jumped up, trying to rescue Sunny from the grasp of the, of the count, but he was holding her too high to his reach. Count Olaf looked down at Klaus and smiled a terrible, toothy grin, raising the wailing Sunny up even higher in the air. He seemed about to drop her to the floor when he, when there was a large burst of laughter in the next room. Olaf, where's Olaf? Voices called out. Count Olaf paused, still holding the wailing Sunny in the air. As members of his theater troupe walked into the kitchen, soon they were crowding the room, an assortment of strangers looking at characters of all different shapes and sizes. There was a bald man with a very long nose, dressed in a long black robe. There were two women who had bright white powder all over their faces, making them look like ghosts. Behind the women was a man with very long skinny arms, and at the end of which there were two hooks instead of hands. There was a person who was extremely fat and looked like neither a man or a woman. And behind this person standing in the doorway was an assortment of people and children the children could not see but promised to be just as frightening. Here you are, Olaf, said one of the white-faced women. What in the world are you doing? I'm just disciplining these orphans, Count Olaf said. I asked them to make dinner and all they have made is some disgusting sauce. You can't go... You can't go easy on the children, the man with the hooks for hand said. They must be taught to obey their elders. The tall, bald man peered at the youngsters. Are these, he said to Count Olaf, those wealthy children you were telling me about? Yes, Count Olaf said. They are so awful and scarcely I can scarcely stand to touch them. With that, he lowered Sunny to the floor, who was still wailing. Violet and Klaus breathed a sign of relief that he had not dropped her from the great height. I don't blame you, said someone in the doorway. Count Olaf rubbed his hands together as if he had been holding something revolting inside of the infant. Well, enough talk, he said. I suppose we can eat their dinner, even if it's all wrong. Everyone, follow me to the dining room and I will pour some wine. Perhaps by the time these brats serve us, we will be too drunk to care if it's roast beef or not. Hurrah, cried several of the members of the troop, and they marched through the kitchen, following Count Olaf to the dining room. Nobody paid a bit of attention to the children except for the bald man who stopped to stare Violet in the eye. You're a pretty one, he said, looking looking at her face with his rough hands. 
Oh, taking her face with his rough hands. If I were you, I would try not to anger Count Olaf, or he might wreck that pretty little face of yours. Violet shuddered, at the, and the bald man gave a high-pitched giggle and left the room. The Baudelaire children, alone in the kitchen, oh, found them... Nice. No, he wasn't. He said, he said, you're beautiful. Yeah, he said, you're pretty, you better be good, or otherwise he's going to make your face not pretty, basically. Like, hurt her. Like, yeah. Yeah. The Baudelaire children... Okay. Alone in the kitchen, found themselves breathing heavily, as if they had just run, run a long distance. Sonny continued to wail, and Klaus found his eyes were wet with tears as well. Only Violet didn't cry, but merely trembled with fear and revulsion, a word which means unpleasant mixture of horror and disgust. For several moments of them, no one could speak. This is terrible, terrible, Klaus finally said. Violet, what can we do? I don't know, she said. I'm afraid. Me too, said Klaus. "'Hooks!' said Sunny. She stopped crying. "'Let's have some dinner,' someone shouted from the dining room, and the theater troupe began pounding on their table in strict rhythm, which was exceedingly rude to do. "'We'd better serve the Putinesca,' Klaus said. "'Who knows what Count Olaf will, will do to us?' Violet thought of what the bald man had said about wrecking her face and nodded. The two of them looked at the pot of bubbling sauce, which had seemed so cozy while they were making it, and now looked like a vat of blood.' Then, leaving Sunny behind in the kitchen, they walked into the dining room. Klaus carried a bowl of the very interesting shapes of noodles that Violet had, carrying a pot of Pudineska sauce with a large <coughs> ladle, ladle lid to serve with it. <coughs> the, the theater troupe was talking and cackling, drinking again and again from their wine cups and paying no attention to the Baudelaire orphans as they circled the table, serving everyone dinner. Violet's right hand ached from holding the heavy ladle. Then she thought of switching her to her left hand because she was right-handed and seemed afraid to spill the sauce with her left hand, which could enrage Count Olaf. She stared miserably at Count Olaf's plate of food and found herself wishing that she had bought poison in the market to put in the Putinesca sauce. <laughs> Finally, they, while they were through serving, Klaus and Violet slipped back into the kitchen. They listened to the wild, rough laughter of Count Olaf and his theater troupe, and they... She should have bought um, <clears throat> perfume to spray in it. Yeah. Honestly, that... I don't even like perfume alone. Yeah. It doesn't taste good. Mm -mm. Before, Olaf's, before long, Olaf's friends were pounding on the table in a, in a strict rhythm again, and the orphans went out to the dining room, and then again, then again to serve chocolate pudding. But now it was obvious that Count Olaf and his associates had drunk a great deal of wine, and they slouched at the table and spoke much less. Finally, they rose, roused themselves and trooped back through the kitchen, scarcely glancing at the children on their way out of the house. Count Olaf looked around the room, which was filled with dirty dishes. Because you orphans haven't cleaned up yet, he said to the orphans, I suppose you can, excuse, you can be excused from attending tonight's performance, but after cleaning up, you go straight to your beds. Klaus had been glancing at the floor, trying to hide how upset he was. But this, he could not remain silent. You mean our bed? You have only provided us with one bed. Members of the theater troupe stopped in their tracks at this outburst and glanced up from Klaus to Count Olaf to see what would happen next. Count Olaf raised his eyebrow and his eye shone bright, but he spoke calmly. If you would like another bed, he said, tomorrow you may go to town and purchase one. You know perfectly well that we haven't got any money, Klaus said. Of course you do, said Count Olaf. As his voice began to get a little louder, you are inheritors of an enormous fortune. That money, Klaus said, remembering what Mr. Poe said, is not to be used until Violet is of age. 
Count Olaf's face grew very red. For a moment, he said nothing. Then, in a sudden movement across, he reached out and struck Klaus across the face. Klaus fell to the floor, his face inches from the eye tattoo on Olaf's ankle. And his glasses leapt from his face <clears throat> and skittered onto the corner. His left cheek, where Olaf has struck him, felt as if it were on fire. The theater troupe laughed as a few of them applauded and as if Count Olaf had done something very brave instead of something despicable. Come on, friends, Count Olaf said to his comrades. We'll be late for our own performance. If I know you, Olaf, said the man with the hook hands, you'll figure out a way to get the Baudelaire's money. We'll see, said Count Olaf, but his eyes were shining bright as if he had already had an idea. There was another loud boom on the front door as it shut behind them, and Count Olaf and his terrible friends, as the Baudelaire children were alone in the kitchen. Violet knelt at Klaus's side, giving him a hug, trying to make him feel better. I know. Tell him about it. Yep. Sonny crawled up over to his glasses and picked them up and brought them to him. Oh. Klaus began to sob, not so much from the pain, but from the rage of the terrible situation that they were in. Violet and Sonny cried with him, and they continued to weep as they washed the dishes, as they blew out the candles in the dining room, and as they changed out of their clothes and lay in the bed, lay down to go to sleep. Klaus in the, in the bed, Violet on the floor, and Sonny on their little cushion of curtains. The moonlight shone through the windows, and if anyone had looked at the Baudelaire orphan's bedroom, they would have seen that the three children quietly cried all night long. So sad. Well, as this book said, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. Oh, yoy, yoy.